0: This is Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults. You are listening to episode 22, When Life Gives You Lemons, an interview with Natalie Norton, part one. Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be.
1: Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become.
0: We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. Hello my friends, I am so thankful that you are here with me. I am thrilled about today's episode. I am interviewing Natalie Norton, who is one of my all-time favorite people. Seriously, think in your head of the top three people that you would want to interview in the whole wide world. And I got to speak to one of my top three. It was really a dream come true, and it lived up to every expectation I had and beyond, So normally I try to keep these episodes like 20 to 30 minutes at the most, but our conversation alone was more than double that. And I tried to edit down everything I could, mostly just our personal conversation, but I honestly couldn't cut down one more second because every single word she says has so much value and power. It's everything. So we are going to be cutting this episode into two parts because I really want you to absorb everything you're learning, and you will see why when you listen. I know that this episode will be able to touch so many people and provide so much value to you. So today, you're going to hear part one of the interview with Natalie Norton. So Natalie is a powerhouse. She is unbelievable. You can find her on Instagram just under her name, Natalie Norton. And I just want you to know that I know Natalie personally. We haven't been in each other's lives for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, but we grew up in Alpine, Utah, just two houses down from each other. And since then, she's just lived this amazing life and has been through more than you can imagine. And through her valuable experiences, she's just grown into this woman that I admire so deeply. But I wanted to start by telling you about Natalie. So you have a little background before we get this conversation started. So Natalie started her career as a photographer, and this was actually the reason why I started following along her journey years ago. She is just a stunning photographer. Her work is amazing. So that's why I started following her. But through the years and different life experiences, she now focuses her time on being a mother first and foremost, and a life consultant, a speaker, a writer, And she just started this new venture of hosting an incredible podcast called Show Up Podcast with Natalie Norton. You guys have to check it out. I say this later in the episode with her, but I truly believe I should be paying for every single episode I listen to in her podcast. It is that beneficial, you guys. Well, not only is Natalie a powerhouse because of her many talents and skill sets, but she is even more influential to me because of how she has overcome the terrible heartbreaks and tragedies that she has faced. The name of this episode today is When Life Gives You Lemons. And I specifically wanted to talk to Natalie about this, because she knows more than I wish she had to about life's lemons. And I've been amazed as I've watched how she's handled these tragedies. Natalie had to experience the loss of her only sibling, her brother Gavin. Gavin was her best friend, and they were incredibly close. He even lived with Natalie and her husband off and on until his unexpected death at the age of 21. He died in his sleep. No signs of foul play or nothing in his system. He was totally healthy one day and then gone the next. This was absolutely devastating for Natalie, and I've heard her talk about how it kind of caused her to feel like she lost her identity. If she wasn't Gavin's sister, then who was she? Like This was just devastating to her. And then two years later, she gave birth to her fourth son, who she named Gavin after his uncle. Well, baby Gavin died of pertussis when he was only three months old. Baby Gavin is buried on top of his uncle Gavin near their home at the North Shore of Oahu. After her sweet baby Gavin passed away, just two years after this, Natalie and her husband, Richie became parents to one-year-old twins and their seven-year-old sister. They were part of their family, their hearts, and their souls in every single way, but after two years of uninterrupted custody, their three children were suddenly and unexpectedly reunited with their birth mother, and they haven't been able to have any contact with them since. Shortly after that, Natalie suffered a mini-stroke and lost her ability to speak and understand verbal, written language. It took her two years to regain her health. And then about a year after that, her 10-year-old son was hit by a distracted driver while crossing the street. They were so close to losing him. He had many traumatic injuries with some pretty extensive surgeries, and thankfully he pulled through, but his recovery is still ongoing. As you can see, Natalie knows something of heartbreak and tragedy, and I cannot wait for you guys to learn from her. All right, enough with my gabbing. Let's do this. Here is the interview with Natalie Norton. Natalie! Oh my gosh, hi. hi! I'm beyond excited to have you on Becoming with me today. I am thrilled that you took the time to come talk to us, so thank you, thank you.
1: I am so happy to be here, and it's just crazy to see you after all these years, like in real life, but not real life, but kind of real life.
0: <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing you. It's, I don't even remember the last time... We no. In
1: real life? Oh, no idea.
0: Anyway. Okay. So I am not exaggerating when I tell you that you have had the most influence on me, save it be the people in my daily life. Like, oh. I, I really feel like your soul just gets my soul. Oh. So I am that's honored. So, that's so kind of you to say. It's real, Natalie. I'm just you know so honored to have about you. That, though. Oh, thank you,
1: thank you. But you know what's interesting about that is, like, even when we were kids, like your big sister Christy and I were the same age and we were friends, like totally. But you and I always had so much fun together, even yeah. despite that. Like, I always remember like wanting Christy to bring you, you know, or like <laughs> like you and I would hang out and like. I didn't we didn't want to hurt Christy's feelings but like I had a lot of fun with you too. And so <laughs> I think we just get each other. Right? Maybe our souls just are connected. <laughs>
0: I think so. Seriously, everything you say, I'm like, oh Bible, I really feel like I need to pay for your podcast. Oh my gosh. You're That's so how right. much I love it. I'm not exaggerating. Like everything you say, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Well, I just-
1: Do you know what's interesting about that though? And I think that this is a really good thing for your audience to hear, especially because like you guys, hi, you guys are teenagers and it's like, yeah. it's a rough, big world out there. But what I want people to get is that they resonate with things that I say, not because I'm the one saying them. They resonate with the things that I say because they're true. And it's not because I have some corner on the truth market
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because like sometimes as we get older, we, and even when we're young, we have the opportunity to choose to dive deeper and to be willing to say things out loud that maybe other people feel nervous about saying, and that's okay. But I think that when people come to me and they say, oh my gosh, I just love everything you share. And I just feel so connected to it and um, blah, 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 on and on and on every single time what it comes down to is that they're resonating with the principles. They're not resonating with me. Yes, I'm the delivery mechanism, but what speaks to their soul is the principles because they're timeless and they're real and all of us can relate whether our our trial or our suffering is death and loss or struggling through bad acne or um or struggling because we feel awkward and uncomfortable in our own skin or we have a hard time speaking in front of our friends or you know there's a million different things but when we mm-hmm. recognize that all of us have things right suddenly it's like dude let's just talk about this stuff. Yes. Let's just start talking about it so that it doesn't feel so scormy all the time, you know?
0: Absolutely. But that's again, my goal here. Sure.
1: Not about me, about the principles.
0: But you're a fantastic deliverer you it. are it's you're so eloquent and beautiful with how you speak and I just I
1: will take the compliment you're amazing
0: well I hope so Her story of loss has captured the hearts of many, many people, and I think people feel connected through heartache and tragedy. That's why we all started following along your story and your journey, but we have all stayed with you because we've witnessed your amazing strength and authenticity. Your ability to show up broken, honest, and beautifully vulnerable has been incredible to observe. I've been in awe of your expansive perspective and your ability to articulate your feelings through these life lessons. You are this master teacher, Natalie, and people are so connected to your raw and open genuine personality. And I just can't wait to dive into your brain and discover how we can learn and grow from you. And I really hope your experiences speak to these teens listening so they can learn how to cope with and deal with these feelings of grief and loss as well.
1: Oh my gosh. That's like the nicest introduction ever.
0: <laughs> well, Thank obviously you. I believe every single word of it. You're amazing. Yeah. You. So you have teens. So you're already like a much better expert about teens than I am. But have you learned No, worked with no, teens? no, no.
1: It's the opposite. Oh, it's the really? opposite. As soon Tell as you me. have teenagers, you realize you know nothing. <laughs>
0: And every single one's different. So tell us the ages of your sons right now.
1: Okay. So my, I have all boys. My oldest is 15, almost 16. Oh. I have one who just turned 14 last week. And I have one who is 12, 12, turning 13 at okay. the end of the summer.
0: And then baby Gavin. And then bring. baby
1: Gavin, who would be, um, oh gosh, I think he would be eight or nine, which okay. is insane. I know. Little surfers. and like the sweetest, most wonderful boys on this whole earth.
0: Well, I've enjoyed watching them. They are the cutest. Yeah. So have, have you worked with teens?
1: So I've done quite a few different things. My husband and I met as EFY counselors, which is hilarious and awesome.
0: That's awesome.
1: I know. And um, I also did training with teenagers in the seven habits program with that curriculum. And then also I've just spoken at different like camps and events and different things all over, all over the whole gamut. Right. And I've of course served in young women's and um, I just love teenagers because I feel like there's just this untapped potential. Mm. And it's just like, I look at these wonderful people and I just think we just, I just want to grab them all by the shoulders and be like, guys, if you start right now. Right now, you don't have to go into all the like garbage and like the mess of getting caught up in your head and in your own insecurities. And like, we can build habits right now that help you as an adult in so many wonderful ways. So rather than like breaking down all the crap that people have learned over the years,
0: <laughs> yeah, right,
1: we're able to start fresh, so to speak. And I think uh, that there's just so much power there.
0: Oh, absolutely. And what we're focusing on today is. When Life Gives You Lemons. Mm. And I did some research on loss for this age group. And I was surprised to find out that 20% of teens before high school will end for them, they will have lost one of their parents. And 90% of them have dealt with the loss of a loved one. And so loss and tragedy is not, you know, it's not discriminatory per age. Like these kids are dealing with this right now. And they... I think it's so nice to have someone like you that, like, is so relatable that they can learn from and discuss these topics with. Oh, it
1: just breaks my heart. Twenty percent is such a high is such a high percentage
0: to lose um, a parent already. Yeah. Oh my before gosh! I can't even
1: believe that. I can't even believe that. Um, but also for all of anyone listening, whether they've lost someone or not, the principles are the same, and it's important for people to remember that all pain and all grief are. They, it's okay to voice those things. And it's, um, it doesn't mean that we're like being selfish. Like a lot of times people will say things like, oh, you know, I, I feel this, but I don't feel like I'm allowed to because at least it's not. And then they're comparing yeah. it to someone else who's like lost a mother or a father or, and I'm, yes, you're right. Losing a mom and dad, it's unbelievable, unspeakably earth shattering mm-hmm. and still all struggle is struggle. And it's okay to recognize that things are hard and that no matter where you're at and no matter who you may have lost or not lost, um, we're all in this together Mm -hmm. and we can learn and we can grow together.
0: I am with you. I totally agree with that. And not trying to compare yourself to anyone. What you're dealing with is what you're dealing with. And it's important no matter what level it's at. Absolutely. So can you help me understand when we experience loss and heartbreak so deeply? Sometimes it can just seem impossible to m- get up and move on with life, to get out of bed the next day. How do you do that? How <laughs> how do you keep functioning when you well, experience that deep loss? One
1: one day at a time. You know, I think that um, there are definitely going to be periods, times, days, months where it feels impossible. And that's also true just of depression. Yeah. Or of of a situation at school or of anxieties or yes, grief, loss. Um, There are going to be periods in all of our lives that feel insurmountable. And they especially feel big when we get it in our heads. There's two okay, let's 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 say this differently. There's two things that happen. We have the thought that things are permanent. Mm. how we live and feel right now is how we're always going to feel. And when we get stuck there, for sure, yeah, it's really hard to function day in and day out because there's hopelessness that's inherent to the idea of permanence. So the first step is to realize that our thoughts and feelings are shifting and changing all the time, every moment of every day. And how you feel in this moment is no indication of how you'll feel five minutes from now or 10 minutes from now or an hour or a day or a month. And if we can keep that in mind that everything we feel and everything we think is always in flux, then there's always hope. Hmm. Because the worst thing we can do is lose hope. And, and the idea of permanence, feeling as though what we feel is permanent, that is the quickest way to lose hope. And I want every single person listening right now to imagine that I'm standing in front of you and I've got my hands on your shoulders and I'm looking in your eyes and I'm telling you what you feel is not permanent. You will get through this. There is beautiful light ahead of you. I promise you that. I promise you that no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, there's hope on the horizon. There's hope on the horizon. Okay, so that's number one. The idea of permanence is where we get stuck. The second place we get stuck is when we start thinking thoughts that are pervasive. And let me explain what that means. When we're in a pervasive kind of thinking, we are assuming that the way we feel about this situation applies to everything always. So let's say that the situation is you're feeling a lot of anxiety about a test at school. And that anxiety starts to bleed into every other part of your life. And suddenly you feel stressed about your relationships and you also feel stressed about um, your, your extracurricular activities and you're letting that anxiety become a pervasive part of your life. It's bleeding into everything else. And yes, with grief it does bleed into everything else because it affects our identity. It affects the deepest core of who we are and of how we relate with the world. And that is just a part of the process. And simultaneously, what is happening in that one instance with that loss and that pain does not have to be pervasive in every single part of your life. There are still beautiful things. Mm -hmm. There is still hope. You're seeing it, yes, through a filter or a lens that distorts everything because it's the grief that is the filter and the lens. But just because you're feeling that way and your perception is skewed through that lens, that doesn't mean that suddenly every single part of your life has fallen apart. And I even know- Even if it feels like it. Even if it feels like it. And that's a really hard thing um, to remember when you're in the thick of it. But- remembering that nothing is permanent and that nothing is pervasive. Those are two ways that you can help yourself move through. And then, of course, remembering one day at a time, just thinking one day at a time. And if that feels too long, then think one breath at a time, Mm -hmm. one minute at a time, one class period at a time, whatever you need to do in order to help yourself pace it out. Kind of like you're running a marathon, right? You don't just look at it and go, I'm going to run 26 miles. You think I'm going to run one mile and then I'm going to run the next and then I'm going to
0: run the next. So powerful. I seriously want people to just record what you said when you said, I'm going to hold you and look in your eyes. Record it. Listen to that every day if you need to, just to be able to move forward the next foot in front of the other. So what about just specific coping methods? Something that we can do like physically tangible to be able to cope any yeah, idea? well,
1: I, I actually have five things that I recommend to all people who are in um, despair or grief or overwhelm or anything where they just feel stuck and trapped inside of a cycle of negative thinking and darkness and anxiety, any of those things. And some of them seem ridiculous. In fact, most of them probably seem ridiculous. But I'm going to promise you right now, every single one of you, that if you will commit to these five things every single day, little by little, line upon line, you'll start to feel better. You really, really will. I promise you. We're going to call them our like high five, okay? Like give each other five, okay? So this sounds absurd. And for some of you, you're going to be like, why? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But number one is hygiene. And I know that that sounds so silly, but you need to get your bum out of bed and you need to brush your teeth and you need to take a shower. If you're a girl and you're like, I can't shower every day, it ruins my hair, then fine, don't (laughs) shower your head. But shower your body. Yes, Because a lot of times when we're stuck in grief and pain, we forget that we're also like a human being that exists in the world. We start to live like in this like uh, space in between like our life and our pain and reminding ourselves that we're alive and that we're awake and there's something to it. And you guys on the worst of days, even if you just get up and brush your teeth and take a shower and get right back into your PJs and climb right back into bed there is still something to be said for taking care of yourself in one little tiny way. And that's why it's so simple. That's why it's just hygiene. Okay. Wash your face, whatever you need to do, do something to remind yourself that you're alive. Hygiene is number one. Number two, fresh air. You need to get your body out of your house for at least a few minutes every day. Now that doesn't, it doesn't count like running from your house to your car. You (laughs) need to like walk to your mailbox and guys, if it's snowing and cold, you can put a coat on. You're going to be okay. You totally have the capacity to get outside for one to two minutes a day. And if it's not sunny, yeah, sun is awesome. And it feels so good. And it helps us kind of like recenter because we can focus on the way that it feels against our skin and we can feel the heat of it. And there is power in that. But if it's not a sunny day, just go outside and take a few breaths of fresh air. And that is going to bless you too. But get outside fresh air every day, even if it's just two or three minutes make that an absolute priority. Um number 3, movement. I know, again, seems so silly, movement. What do you mean? I mean real movement. I'm not going to tell you to exercise because I know a lot of you like are exercising every day is just a part of your life, just doing yeah. your teenage world and moving around and going like even walking from class to class is more exercise than most adults get every day. But you need to move and get your heart thumping. Yeah. So, I'm going to say just do five jumping jacks. Seriously. Like, I'm not asking you to, like, go out and, and go to CrossFit or something. I just yeah. need you to move your body. So five jumping jacks a day. That's easy for any person. Again, you can get up, you can do five jumping jacks, and you can climb right back into bed. But, again, just getting your heart thumping, getting ourselves to remember that we have power and strength, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, number four, is gratitude. Mm-hmm. Now. So huge. So huge. You could do an entire episode on gratitude. It's the most powerful yeah. thing. Good. Well, there you go. Everybody go listen to the episode on gratitude, but expressing it to others. You can send a text to your mom or to a friend, find something that you feel grateful for every day. I highly recommend that you have a little notebook or journal by your bed and every single morning or every single night you write down five to 10 things you're grateful for. There is so much power. In remembering, this kind of goes to the idea of the fact that not everything is pervasive, right? When we express gratitude, we realize, oh, not everything is a mess. Not everything is broken and bad. There's still beauty. There's still all these great things that we can hold on to. And there's real power in that as it relates to every bit of our spirit and the way that we think and the way that we show up in the world. So, gratitude every single day. Mm-hmm. The last thing, number five, is meditation or prayer or both because they go hand in hand, right? Mm. What I'm going to recommend to all of your listeners is an app that is called the Headspace app. You can download it for free. Ask your mom and dad, get permission, but it has a little program on there that's free and it's 10 in 10, 10 minutes a day for 10 days, 10 minutes, super easy, but it's awesome because it leads you through what it really means to meditate and why it matters, because we're finding more and more that there are scientific benefits to moments of stillness and quiet. But then when we actually go to do it, what happens? Our brains are just like racing with thoughts. We're worried about things. We're thinking about things. We're, we're planning for the future. We're thinking about the past, right? All of that. And it's so natural. Yeah. But this program, it just line upon line leads and guides and helps you develop the capacity and understand the importance of sitting in quiet. And if that's too weird and not there for you, prayer. Let go of the meditation and just focus on prayer. Get on your knees every day and connect with your father in heaven. Huge. And I would even take it a step further and just remind you that your heart can be constantly filled with prayer. That in any moment you can just say, "Hey, I feel alone. I need I need help. I need sustenance. I need hope." And that that prayer can just linger with you all day long. It's like having a constant communication line open. And that would be the fifth. So hygiene, fresh air, movement, gratitude, meditation, and prayer. Those are the five. High five. High five.
0: Oh my gosh, Natalie. I'm using that. I love it. It's awesome. I
1: always recommend um, with anything like this, guys, get out a post-it note, write those five things down Mm. and just stick it on your wall. Stick it on your mirror in your bathroom, carry it in your wallet, put a reminder that pops up on your phone at a certain time every day Um, because it's not enough to just mentally commit. You need physical reminders. Mm. And I promise you, if you even just try to do those silly five things for one week, one week, I promise you, you'll you'll feel more alive. You'll feel different. You'll feel better in your life.
0: Absolutely. And then your vision will be more clear and you'll have a bigger yeah. perspective. I think we yes. just have to force ourselves. Yep. To and this. sometimes
1: that is what it is in the beginning, especially it's just forcing ourselves. Right. And then over time we get to the point where we can't live without it. We realize, oh my gosh, my life is so changed. How do I not do this? It's like telling me not to breathe.
0: Mm-hmm. And you just start to feel again. I've been in that space where I'm like, I am a robot. I, yeah. I remember like feeling like, why do I have to take care of this body? I've felt yeah. that complete numbness. Yeah. And I feel like if I would have had these five things to focus on, just to yeah. like center myself, I think it would have got me out of that sump faster. It's so. like
1: a, a lifeline. And then it switches from being a lifeline to being like a belay. Like imagine that you're actually like hanging, you know, like you're holding on for dear life. And then think of the other thing that you, that happens when you're climbing, for example, it's there and it exists to catch you if you fall, but it doesn't mean you're hanging, falling. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying, the difference between like a belay and climbing and like a lifeline. The idea of a lifeline is, oh my gosh, I'm holding on for dear life. A belay is just there. Support system. A support system.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. So I know sometimes when tragedy strikes and these awful things happen in our life, we often look for people to blame, you know, whether it to be a doctor involved or someone else in the incident. And Sadly, often it's God that we just want to blame someone as human, as human beings. I've seen that in my own life and I've seen it in others. And how do we resist that urge to just blame? Yeah. Do you
1: have any ideas for that? It's hard. And the first thing I want to say as it comes to blaming God, and this is really counter probably to what any other adult (laughs) might recommend, but Having been in the deepest parts of grief and loss, and having had my heart ripped out so many times and the bottom of my life just fall out, the most honest answer I can give, first and foremost, is that you can yell at God and He can take it. Mm. You're allowed to say, I hate this. You're allowed to say, This isn't fair. You're allowed to yell and scream and cry and pound your fists to heaven, and your Father in heaven loves you, and your Father in heaven will still stand beside you. Your Father in heaven can take it. Now, that's not where we want to stay forever, but I don't want anyone ever to hear this and think, oh, I'm not allowed to feel angry. or yeah. I'm not allowed to feel um, need to, to have someone to blame because I think that that's just a natural part of the process. And I don't want anyone to feel small if that's what they're feeling, or I don't want anyone to feel guilty or ashamed if they feel the need to blame or if they're angry at God, because those really are, very natural parts of the process and they're nothing to be ashamed of and when i say the process i just mean grief it it is a beast it is the monster under your bed and it is so unpredictable and it reaches into so many different parts of your brain and your life and even the way you physically feel i know what it feels like to be so sad that my skin hurt it seems like something that you can't even imagine but then when you're in it you're thinking oh my gosh I'm in so much pain that I am physically hurting. My spirit hurts so bad that my body hurts. So I know what that feels like. And there's not a right or a wrong way. As long as we remember that we are in a tunnel, not a cave, Mm. and we keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best every day, letting ourselves feel what we feel, but choosing not to remain stuck there. That is the ticket. That is the most important thing. But let's go back to the original question about blame and specifically about blaming God. When we are living our lives and all of us have experienced this, we make a mistake. And what do we expect from the people in our lives who love us the most? We expect forgiveness and unconditional love. Yeah. And even if we've messed up so horribly, we expect that our father in heaven particularly is always going to love us and forgive us and be there for us right? Yeah. Always. He will be. He will, of course. But here's my question. When something bad happens in our lives, do we choose to love God with the same unconditional love, right? We think, oh, this bad thing happened. I hate God. God's not there for me but what if it was the other way around? Wow. It's a relationship. We have to remember that it's a relationship and that the same way we need our father in heaven to continually show up and trust us and love us unconditionally. We need to provide that same loyalty to our father in heaven. That doesn't mean we can't be mad. That doesn't mean we can't hurt. That doesn't mean that we can't yell and scream sometimes. A journal that you can just like write, all your anger and your frustration out in and then rip those pages up and tear them apart. That's a really powerful exercise that I would recommend to anyone who's feeling those big feelings. Don't just push them down and tell yourself, I shouldn't be thinking that or I shouldn't be feeling that. Feel it. Let it overwhelm you and let it happen in a healthy way. Give a voice to
0: those things. Let yourself just write them out. So beautiful, Natalie. Like you guys, I'm wiping my tears right now, and I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling. And you know why this woman has been so powerful in my life, but I've never heard of that perspective. I haven't. Like it's a two-way relationship, and I want to give him that love and respect as well. Yeah, oh, that's huge. Well, and as
1: we do that, we allow a deeper sense of connection with him. Yeah, because we're allowing ourselves to maintain the trust. Like if you do something wrong at home. Your mom and dad might be frustrated and mad at you, but they're still going to love you, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when something bad happens in our lives, we can be frustrated and mad that it happened and still love our father in heaven. Yeah. And those things can go side by side because one of the scariest things for people in grief and in pain is when they let themselves feel shame for feeling those feelings that they feel. That's when I feel like there's the most danger because when we feel ashamed, we feel wrong We feel unworthy. We feel broken. You are not wrong. You are not unworthy. You are not broken for feeling pain. It is a normal part of human existence. And particularly when you've been through something so heavy and so hard, of course, you're going to feel pain. And of course, the darkest, deepest abyss of pain is going to pull up some irrational thinking or some weird, yucky thoughts and the beautiful thing is you can feel those things without identifying with them just because you're angry you aren't suddenly anger you don't become anger you're angry there's a difference if you're jealous for someone else's life and that they haven't experienced the loss and pain that you have you're experiencing jealousy but you are not jealous you don't become jealous that's not you can't become that because what are you you are a daughter or a son of god And if you remember that nothing that you experience, nothing that happens to you, nothing that you do even can take away who you inherently are, which is a daughter and son of God. So those thoughts, those feelings, give a voice to them. Put them on paper, throw them away, and then let them go. I'm so in for that. They are not who you are. They're experiences you're having, but they're not who you are. Don't feel ashamed of them everybody, everybody experiences them. I got a message today on Instagram from a mom who just lost her little, her little boy. And she just woke up one morning and went to his crib and he had died in his sleep. And can you imagine what that would be like for her to find her sweet child lifeless there? It just, it breaks my whole heart. And she was expressing some really heavy feelings to me and saying, you know, I, I, I'm embarrassed that I'm even mentioning this, but I just don't know where else to talk about it. But she was feeling jealous of friends who were showing up with their babies. And she was feeling frustrated when people were comparing her loss to mm. other losses that they'd experienced that she didn't feel like were as significant. And then she adds a layer. So she's already feeling jealousy. She's already feeling resentment and pain. Then she adds a layer on top of it by making herself feel guilty, guilty. feeling those things. And we do that to ourselves all the time. And so I was able to just write her back and say, you're right. It sucks. It's ridiculous. And it's awful. And you are not ridiculous and awful. Yeah. And that's the thing I want all of you guys listening to remember, that you can feel things without identifying with them that you are not bad or wrong. You are a human being going through an impossible situation. And whatever you think and feel, yes, it may not be where you want to camp out forever, but it doesn't mean that that's who you are. And as soon as you identify and give a voice to those things, you're able to let them go. And I don't mean give a voice to it by going out and telling everybody, I'm so mad at you and, and you have no idea what I'm experiencing. I just mean allow yourself, say to yourself, you know what, right now I'm feeling jealous. Wow. That's okay. I'm feeling jealous. That's okay. I'm not jealous and I'm not gonna feel this way forever. And I'm gonna choose to do the things I need to do to put this behind me and to move forward. But until uh, you identify it, you have a, a higher possibility to stay stuck in it. And I want you to remember that. That once you identify and just give it a voice, you're able to then send it on its way and move on more intentionally into the kinds of thoughts and behaviors that, that really are aligned with who you are, which is a divine being of light and love and perfection.
0: So very beautiful. I need to know, do you think your perspective and these things you're teaching and learning are because of your innate gifts personally? Or do you think that you've developed these things you've learned through the hardships you've been through? Okay. I'm barging in here to let you know that this is where we're going to be stopping part one. I know, I know you want to hear more. Isn't Natalie just something else? I wanted you to hear that last question that I asked Natalie because I want you to ponder on that for yourself this coming week. How has what you've been through shaped you into the person you are? What gifts were you innately born with and what have you had to work hard to develop within yourself? How will these traits serve you through upcoming adversity and through the wonderful life experiences ahead of you as well? I also wanted to give you time to process what you learned and to apply it. I loved her high five. And Erica made this wallpaper for you guys to set as your lock screen wallpaper, or you could just print it off and put it somewhere to refer to it whenever you need it. And that can be found on our website, becoming14s.com. So go there to get it and check it out. But please, please come back and listen to part two. It is phenomenal. Natalie shares how it is possible to feel joy again after tremendous loss. And she also gives great advice on how to help a loved one who is going through absolute heartbreak from loss. I hope that you really learned as much as I did from Natalie and you can see why I admire her so much. I really believe that everything we talk about in this interview has the ability to change your life when you apply it. Thank you so much for joining me today and I cannot wait for you to hear the rest of this episode next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please click to subscribe and join us on Instagram. We'll see you next time on Becoming.